We now dedicate our production to the Black Lives Matter movement. We ask you to take a moment of silence for all black lives unjustly taken away, silenced, diminished, and excluded. Great King of England and my gracious Lord, the mutual conference that my mind hath had by day, by night, waking, and in my dreams, in courtly company, or at my beads, with you, mine, Odalifest, sovereign, makes me the bolder to salute my King, with ruder terms such as my wit affords and over joy of heart doth minister. Her sight did ravish, but her grace in speech, her words I clad with wisdom's majesty, makes me from wondering fall to weeping joys, such is the fullness of my heart's content. I can express no kinder sign of love than this kind kiss. O Lord, that lends me life, lend me a heart replete with thankfulness, Lords, with one cheerful voice, welcome, my love. Long live Queen Margaret, England's happiness. We thank you all. My Lord Protector, so it please your grace, here are the articles of contracted peace between our sovereign and the French King Charles. It is agreed between the French King Charles and the Marquess of Suffolk ambassador for Henry King of England, that the said Henry shall espouse the Lady Margaret and crown her Queen of England. Item, that the Duchy of Anjou and the County of Maine shall be released and delivered to the King, her father. Uncle, how now? Pardon me, gracious Lord, some sudden qualm hath struck me at the heart and dimmed mine eyes that I can read no further. Uncle of Winchester, I pray, read on. Item. It is further agreed between them that the Duchess of Anjou and Maine shall be released and delivered over to the king, her father, and she sent over of the king of England's own proper cost and charges without having any dowry. They please us well. Lord Marquess, kneel down. We here create thee the first Duke of Suffolk, and girt thee with the sword. Cousin of York, we here discharge your grace from being regent with parts of France. Thanks, Uncle Winchester, Gloucester, York, 
Exeter, Somerset, Warwick, and all you lords. We thank you all for this great favor done in entertainment to my princely queen. Come, let us in. With all speed, provide to see her coronation be performed. Brave peers of England, pillars of the state, to you, Duke Humphrey must unload his grief. Your grief, the common grief of all the land. What? Did my brother Henry spend his youth to conquer France, his true inheritance? And did my brother Bedford toil his wits to keep by policy what Henry got? Have you yourselves received deep scars in France, and shall these labors and these honors die? Shall Henry's conquest, Bedford's vigilance, your deeds of war, and all our counsel die? O oh, peers of England, shameful is this league, fatal is this marriage, cancelling your fame, undoing all as all had never been. Nephew, what means this passionate discourse? For France tis ours, and we will keep it still. Ay, uncle, we will keep it if we can. But now it is impossible we should. Suffolk, the new-made duke that rules the roost, hath given the duchy of Anjou and Maine unto the poor King Rainer, whose large style agrees not with the leanness of his purse. These counties were the keys of Normandy. Anjou and Maine? Myself did win them both. And are the cities that I got with wounds delivered up again with peaceful words? Mon Dieu! She should have stayed in France and starved in France before- My Lord of Gloucester, now you grow too hot. It was the pleasure of my lord the king. My lord of Winchester, I know your mind. Tis not my speeches that you do mislike, but tis my presence that doth trouble ye. I see thy fury. If I longer stay, we shall begin our ancient bickerings. Lordings, farewell. And say when I am gone, I prophesied. France will be lost ere long. So... There goes our protector in a rage. Look to it, lords, let not his smoothing words bewitch your hearts. Be wise and circumspect. I fear me, lords, for all this flattering gloss, he will be found a dangerous protector. Why should he then protect our sovereign? He being of age to govern of himself. Now, each and every one join you with me, and all together with the Duke of Suffolk, we'll quickly hoist Duke Humphrey from his seat. This weighty business will not brook delay. I'll to the Duke of Suffolk presently. So York must sit and fret and bite his tongue while his own lands are bargained for and sold, Anjou and Maine both given unto the French? Cold news for me, for I had hope of France, even as I have of fertile England's soil. A day will come when York shall claim his own, and therefore I will take the Neville's parts and make a show of love to proud Duke Humphrey, and when I spy advantage, claim the crown. For that's the golden mark I seek to hit. Nor shall proud Lancaster usurp my right, whose church-like humors fits not for a crown. Then, York, be still a while till time do serve. Then will I raise aloft the milk-white rose, and in, 
in my standard bear the arms of York to grapple with the house of Lancaster and force perforce I'll make him yield the crown whose bookish rule hath pulled fair England down. My lord of Suffolk, say, is this the guise? Is this the fashion in the court of England? What, shall King Henry be a pupil still under the surly Gloucester's governance? Am I a queen in title and in style and must be made a subject to a duke? I tell thee, Pole, when in the city tours thou ranst a tilt in honor of my love, I thought King Henry had resembled thee. But all his mind is bent to holiness. I would the College of the Cardinals would choose him Pope and carry him to Rome and set the triple crown upon his head. That were a state fit for his holiness. Madam, be patient. As I was caused your highness came to England, so will I in England work your grace's full content. Oh, beside the haughty protector, have we Buford, the imperious churchman, Somerset, Exeter, and grumbling York? And not the least of these, but can do more in England than the king. So let them rest. And madam, listen to me, for I am bold to counsel you in this. Although we fancy not the cardinal, Yet we must join with him and with the lords till we have brought Duke Humphrey in disgrace. As for the Duke of York, this late complaint will make but little for his benefit. So, one by one we'll weed them all at last, and you, yourself, shall steer the happy helm. Now, my good lord and dear friend Warwick, our simple supper ended, give me leave in this close walk to satisfy myself in craving your opinion to my title, which is infallible, to England's crown. Sweet York, begin, and if thy claim be good, all my power is thy subject to command. Then thus, Edward III, my lord, had seven sons, the first Edward the Black Prince, Prince of Wales, the second, William of Hatfield, and the third, Lionel, Duke of Clarence, next to whom was John of Gaunt, the Duke of Lancaster. The fifth was Edmund Langley, Duke of York. The sixth was Thomas of Woodstock, Duke of Gloucester. William of Windsor was the seventh and last. Edward the Black Prince died before his father and left behind him Richard, his only son, who after Edward III's death reigned as king, till Henry Bolingbroke, Duke of Lancaster, the eldest son and heir of John of Gaunt, crowned by the name of Henry IV, seized the realm, deposed the rightful king, sent him to Pomfret, where, as all you know, harmless Richard was murdered traitorously. Thus got the house of Lancaster the crown which now they hold by force and not by right. For Richard, the first son's heir, being dead, the issue of the next son should have reigned. But William of Hatfield died without an heir. The third son, Duke of Clarence, from whose line I claim the crown, had issue Philip, a daughter, 
who married Edmund Mortimer, Earl of March. This Edmund, in the reign of Bolingbroke, as I have read, laid claim unto the crown, and but for Owen Glendower, had been king, who kept him in captivity till he died. But to the rest. His eldest sister, Anne, my mother, being heir unto the crown, married Richard, Earl of Cambridge, who was to Edmund Langley, Edward III's fifth son's son. By her I claim the kingdom. So, if the issue of the elder son succeeded before the younger, I am king. What plain proceedings is more plain than this? Henry doth claim the crown from John of Gaunt, the fourth son. York claims it from the third. Then in this private plot be I the first that shall salute our rightful sovereign with honor of his birthright to the crown. Long live my sovereign, Richard, England's king. I thank you, Lord, but I am not your king till I be crowned, and that my sword be stained with the heart-blood of the house of Lancaster, and that's not suddenly to be performed, but with advice and silent secrecy. Do you, as I do in these dangerous days, wink at the Duke of Suffolk's insolence, at Beaufort's pride, at Somerset's ambition, at Exeter and all the crew of them, till they have snared the shepherd of the flock, that virtuous prince, the good Duke Humphrey. Tis that they seek, and they in seeking that shall find their deaths, if York can prophesy. My heart assures me that the Earl of Warwick shall one day make the Duke of York a king. And Neville, this I do assure myself, Richard shall live to make the Earl of Warwick the greatest man in England but the king. Amuse my lord of Gloucester is not come. Tis not his wont to be the hindmost man. What your occasion keeps him from us now? Can you not see? Or will ye not observe the strangeness of his altered countenance? With what a majesty he bears himself, how insolent of late he has become, how proud, how peremptory and unlike himself. We know the time since he was mild and affable that all the court admired him for submission. But meet him now, and be it in the morn when every one will give the time of day, he knits his brow and shows an angry eye, and passeth by with stiff unbowed knee, disdaining duty that to us belongs. Small curies are not regarded when they grin, but great men tremble when the lion roars. And Humphrey is no little man in England. First note, that he is near you in descent, and should you fall, he is the next will mount. Meseemeth, then, it is no policy that he should come about your royal person, or be admitted to your highness' council. By flattery hath he won the common's heart, and when he pleased to make commotion, tis to be feared they all will follow him. The reverent care I bear unto my Lord made me collect these dangers in the Duke. 
if it be fond, call it a woman's fear, which fear, if better reasons can supplant, I will subscribe and say I wronged the Duke. My Lord Suffolk, Exeter, and York, reprove my allegation if you can, or else conclude my words effectual. Well hath your highness seen into this duke, and had I first been put to speak my mind, I think I should have told your grace's tale. Smooth runs the water where the brook is deep, and in his simple show he harbors treason. No, no, my sovereign Gloucester is a man unsounded yet and full of deep deceit. Did he not, contrary to form of law, devise strange deaths for small offenses done? And did he not in his protectorship leave great sums of money through the realm, for soldiers pay in France and never sent it? By means thereof the towns each day revolted. My lords, at once, the care you have of us is worthy praise. But shall I speak my conscience? Our kinsman Gloucester is as innocent, from meaning treason to our royal person, as is the sucking lamb or harmless dove. The duke is a virtuous, mild, and too well given to dream on evil or to work my downfall. What's more dangerous than this fond affiance? Is he a lamb? His skin is surely lent him, for he's inclined as is the ravenous wolves. Who cannot steal a shape that means deceit? Take heed, my lord, the welfare of us all hangs on the cutting short that fraudful man. All health unto my gracious sovereign. Welcome, Lord Somerset. What news from France? That all your interests in those territories is utterly bereft you. All is lost. Cold news, Lord Somerset. But God's will be done. Cold news from me, for I had hope of France as firmly as I hope for fertile England. Thus are my blossoms blasted in the bud and caterpillars eat my leaves away. But I will remedy this gear ere long or sell my title for a glorious grave. All happiness unto my lord the king. Pardon my liege that I have stayed so long. Nay, Gloucester. Know that thou art come too soon. Unless thou wert more loyal than thou art, I do arrest thee of high treason here. Well, Suffolk, thou shalt not see me blush, nor change my countenance for this arrest. A heart unspotted is not easily daunted. The purest spring is not so free from mud as I am clear from treason to my sovereign. Who can accuse me? Wherein am I guilty? Tis thought, my lord, that you took bribes of France, and being protector, stayed the soldier's pay, by means whereof his highness hath lost France. Is it but thought so? What are they that think it? I never robbed the soldiers of their pay, nor ever had one penny bribe from France. That Deutsch that e'er I rested from the king be brought against me at my trial day. No. Many a pound of mine own proper store, because I would not tax the needy commons, have I dispersed to the garrisons, and ever asked for restitution. It serves you well, my lord, to say so much. I say no more than truth, so help me God. 
My lord, these faults are easy, quickly answered. But mightier crimes are laid unto your charge, whereof you cannot easily purge yourself. I do arrest you in his highness's name, and here commit you to my lord cardinal to keep until your further time of trial. My lord of Gloucester, tis my special hope that you will clear yourself from all suspense. My conscience tells me that you are innocent. Sirs, take away the duke and guard him sure. Ah, oh, gracious lord, these days are dangerous. Virtue is choked with foul ambition and equity exiled to your highness' land. I know their complot is to have my life, and if my death might make this land happy and prove the period of their tyranny, I would expend it with all willingness. But mine is made the prologue to their play. For thousands more that yet suspects no peril will not conclude their plotted tragedy. I, all of you, had laid your heads together, and all to make away my guiltless life. I shall not want false witness to condemn me, nor store of treasons to augment my guilt. The ancient proverb will be well affected. A staff is quickly found to beat a dog. Thus is the shepherd beaten from thy side, and wolves are gnarling who shall gnaw thee first. Ah, oh, that my fear were false. Ah, oh, that it were. For good King Henry, thy decay I fear. My lords, what to your wisdom seemeth best, do or undo, as if ourself were here. What? Will your highness leave the parliament? Aye, Margaret. My heart is drowned with grief, whose flood begins to flow within mine eyes. <sighs> Uncle Humphrey, in thy face I see the map of honor, truth, and loyalty. What lowering star now envies thy estate, that these great lords and Margaret our queen do seek subversion of thy harmless life? Thou never didst them wrong, nor no man wrong. And as the butcher takes away the calf, even so remorseless have they borne him hence. Even so myself bewails good Gloucester's case with sad, unhelpful tears and with dimmed eyes. Look after him, and cannot do him good. So mighty are his vowed enemies. His fortunes I will weep, and twixt each groan say, Who's a traitor? Gloucester, he is none. Free lords, cold snow melts with the sun's hot beams. Henry, my lord, is cold in great affairs, too full of foolish pity, and Gloucester's show beguiles him as the mournful crocodile with sorrow snares relenting passengers. Believe me, lords, were none more wise than I, and yet herein I judge mine own wit good. This Gloucester should be quickly rid the world, to rid us from the fear we have of him. That he should die is worthy policy, but yet we want a color for his death. Tis meet he be condemned by course of law. But in my mind there were no policy. The king will labor still to save his life. 
so that by this you would not have him die. Ah, York, no man alive so fain as I. Thrice, noble Suffolk, tis resolutely spoke. Not resolute, except so much were done, for things are often spoke and seldom meant, and to preserve my sovereign from his foe, say but the word, and I will be his priest. But I would have him dead, my lord of Suffolk, ere you can take due orders for a priest. Say you consent and censure well the deed, and I'll provide his executioner. I tender so the safety of my liege. Here is my hand. The deed is worthy doing. And so say I. And I. And now we three have spoke it. It skills not greatly who impunges our doom. Great lords, from Ireland am I come amain, to signify that rebels there are up, and put the Englishmen unto the sword. Send suckers and stop the rage betime before the wound do grow uncurable. For being green, there is great hope of help. A breach that craves a quick, expedient stop. My lord of York, try what your fortune is. To Ireland will you lead a band of men, collected choicely from each county some, and try your hap against the Irishman? I will, my lord, so please his majesty. Why? Our authority is his consent, and what we do establish he confirms. Then, noble York, take thou this task in hand. But now, return we to the false Duke Humphrey. No more of him, for I will deal with him, that henceforth he shall trouble us no more. And so break off. The day is almost spent. Lord Suffolk, you and I must talk of that event. My Lord of Suffolk, within fourteen days, at Bristow I expect my soldiers, for there I'll ship them all for Ireland. I'll see it truly done, my Lord of York. Now, York, or never, steal thy fearful thoughts, and change misdoubt to resolution, be that thou hopest to be, or what thou art. Resign to death, it is not worth the enjoying. Let pale-faced fear keep with the mean-born man, and find no harbor in a royal heart. My brain, more busy than the laboring spider, weaves tedious snares to trap mine enemies. Well, nobles, well, tis politically done to send me packing with a host of men. Twas men I lacked, and you will give them me. I take it kindly, yet be well assured. You put sharp weapons in a madman's hands. Whilst I in Ireland nourish a mighty band, I will stir up in England some black storm, shall blow ten thousand souls to heaven or hell. And this fell tempest shall not cease to rage until the golden circuit on my head, like to the glorious sun's transparent beams, do calm the fury of this mad-bred flaw. For Humphrey, being dead as he shall be, and Henry put apart, the next for me. Call our uncle to our presence straight. Say we intend to try his grace today, if he be guilty, as tis published. Lords, take your places, and I pray you all proceed no straighter against our uncle Gloucester than from true evidence of good esteem he be approved in practice culpable. God forfend any malice should prevail, that faultless may condemn a nobleman. Pray God he may acquit him of suspicion. I thank thee now. These words content me much. How now? Why looks thou pale? 
Why tremblest thou? Where is our uncle? What's the matter, Suffolk? Dead in his bed, my lord. Gloucester is dead. God forfend. God's secret judgment. I did dream tonight the Duke was dumb and could not speak a word. How fares my lord? Help! Lords, the king is dead! Run! Go! Help! Help! Oh, Henry, open thine eyes. He doth revive again, madam. Be patient. Oh, heavenly God. Comfort, my sovereign gracious Henry, comfort. What? Doth my lord of Suffolk comfort me? Hide not thy poison with such sugred words. Lay not thy hands on me. Forbear, I say, their touch affrights me as a serpent's sting. Thou baleful messenger, out of my sight! Look not upon me, for thine eyes are wounding. Yet do not go away. Come, basilisk, and kill the innocent gazer with thy sight. For in the shade of death I shall find joy. In life, but double death. Now Gloucester's dead. Why do you rate my lord Suffolk thus? Although the duke was enemy to him, yet he most Christian-like laments his death. And for myself, foe as he was to me, I would be blind with weeping, sick with groans, look pale as primrose with blood-drinking sighs, and all to have the noble duke alive. Ah, oh, woe is for me, for Gloucester, wretched man! Be woe for me, more wretched than he is. What? Dost thou turn away and hide thy face? I am no loathsome leper, look on me. What? Art thou like the adder waxen deaf? Be poisonous too and kill thy forlorn queen. Is all thy comfort shut in Gloucester's tomb? We want the truth! It is reported, mighty sovereign, that good Duke Humphrey, traitorously, is murdered by Suffolk and the Cardinal Beaufort's means. The commons, like an angry hive of bees that want their leader, scatter up and down, and care not who they sting in his revenge. Myself have conned their spleenful mutiny until they hear the order of his death. That he is dead, good Warwick, tis too true. But how he died, God knows, not Henry. O oh, thou that judgest all things, stay my thoughts, my thoughts that labor to persuade my soul some violent hands were laid on Humphrey's life. If my suspect be false, forgive me, God, for judgment only doth belong to thee. As surely as my soul intends to live, I do believe that violent hands were laid upon the life of this thrice-famed duke. Myself and Beaufort had him in protection, and we, I hope, sir, are no murderers. But both of you were vowed to Duke Humphrey's foes, and you forsooth had the good duke to keep. Tis like you would not feast him like a friend, and tis well seen he found an enemy. Then you'd be like suspect these noblemen, as guilty of Duke Humphrey's timeless death. Who sees the heifer dead and bleeding fresh, and sees fast by a butcher with an axe, but will suspect twas he that made the slaughter? Even so suspicious is this tragedy. I wear no knife to slaughter sleeping men, 
But here's a vengeful sword, rusted with ease, that shall be scoured in his rancorous heart, that slanders me with murder's crimson badge. Save thou darest, that I am faulty in Duke Humphrey's death. What dares not Warwick, if false Suffolk dare him? He dares not calm his contumulous spirit, nor cease to be an arrogant controller, though Suffolk dare him twenty thousand times. Madame, be still. With reverence, may I say, for every word you speak in his behalf is slandered to your royal dignity. Blunt-witted lord, ignoble in demeanor, if ever lady wronged her lord so much, thy mother took in her blameful bed some stern untutored churl, and noble stock was grafted with crabtree slip, whose fruit thou art, and never of the Neville's noble race. But that the guilt of murder bucklers thee, and I should rob the deathsman of his fee, quitting thee thereby of ten thousand shames, and that my sovereign's presence makes me mild, I would, false murderous coward, on thy knee make thee beg pardon for thy passed speech, and say it was thy mother that thou meanst, that thou thyself was born in bastardy, and after all this fearful homage done, give thee thy hire and send thy soul to hell, pernicious bloodsucker of sleeping men. Thou shalt be waking while I shed thy blood. Why how now, lords? Your wrathful weapons drawn here in our presence, dare you be so bold? The traitorous Warwick set upon me, mighty sovereign. Sir, stand apart. The king shall know your mind. Dread lord, the commons send you word by me. Unless Lord Suffolk straight be done to death or banished fair England's territories, they will by violence tear him from your palace and torture him with grievous, lingering death. They say by him the good Duke Humphrey died. They say in him they fear your highness death. And therefore do they cry, though you forbid, that they will guard you, where you will or no, from such fell serpents as false Suffolk is, with whose envenomed and fatal sting your loving uncle twenty times his worth, they say, is shamefully bereft of life. An answer from the king, or we will all break in! Go, Somerset, and tell them all from me I thank them for their tender, loving care. And had I not been cited so by them, yet did I purpose, as they do entreat. For sure, my thoughts do hourly prophesy mischance unto my state by Suffolk's means. And therefore, by his majesty, I swear, whose far unworthy deputy I am, he shall not breathe infection in this air, but three days longer, on the pain of death. Oh, Henry, let me plead for gentle Suffolk. Ungentle queen, to call him gentle Suffolk. No more I say. If thou dost plead for him, thou wilt but add increase unto my wrath. If after three days' space thou here beest found, on any ground that I am ruler of, the world shall not be ransom for thy life. Come, Warwick, come. Good Warwick, go with me. I have great matters to impart to thee. Mischance and sorrow go along with you. Heart's discontent and sorrow affliction be playfellows to keep you company. There's two of you. The devil make a third. 
and threefold vengeance tend upon your steps. Seize, gentle queen, these execrations, and let thy Suffolk take his heavy leave. Fie! Coward, woman, and soft-hearted wretch! Hast thou not spirit to curse thine enemy? A plague upon them. Wherefore should I curse them? Would curses kill, as doth the mandrakes groan, I would invent as bitter searching terms, as cursed, as harsh and horrible to hear, delivered strongly through my fixed teeth, with full as many signs of deadly hate, as lean-faced envy in her loathsome cave. Aye, every joint shall seem to curse and ban, and even now my burdened heart would break should I not curse them. Poison be their drink. Gall. Worse than gall, the daintiest that they taste. Their music, frightful as the serpent's hiss, and boding screech owls make the consort full. All the foul terrors and dark-seated hell. Enough, sweet Suffolk, thou torments thyself. Oh, let me entreat thee, cease, give me thy hand, that I may do it with my mournful tears nor let the rain of heaven wet this place to wash away my woeful monuments. Oh, could this kiss be printed in thy hand that thy mights think upon these by the seal through whom a thousand sighs are breathed for thee. So get thee gone, that I may know my grief. Tis but surmised whilst thou art standing by as one that surfeits, thinking on a want. Go, speak not to me, even now, be gone. Oh, go not yet, even thus two friends condemned embrace and kiss and take ten thousand leaves. Yet now farewell and farewell life with thee. Thus is poor Suffolk ten times banished, once by the king and three times thrice by thee. Tis not the land I care for, wert thou thence. A wilderness is populous enough, so Suffolk had thy heavenly company. For where thou art, there is the world itself with every several pleasure in the world. And where thou art not, desolation. I can no more. Live thou to joy thy life. Myself no joy in naught, but that thou livest. Whether goes vo so fast? What news, I pray thee? To signify unto his majesty that Cardinal Beaufort is at point of death. For suddenly a grievous sickness took him that makes him gasp and stare and catch the air, blaspheming God and cursing men on earth. Sometimes he talks as if Duke Humphrey's ghost were by his side. Sometimes he calls the king and, and whispers to his pillow as to him the secrets of his overcharged soul. And I am sent to tell his majesty that even now he cries aloud for him. Go, tell this heavy message to the king. Ay me, what is this world? What news are these? But wherefore grieve I at an hour's poor loss, omitting Suffolk's exile, my soul's treasure? Why, onely Suffolk, mourn I not for thee? Now, get thee hence. The king thou knowest is coming. 
if thou be found by me, thou art but dead. If I depart from thee, I cannot live, and in thy sight to die. What were it else but like a pleasant slumber in thy lap? To die by thee were but to die in jest. From thee to die were torture more than death. Oh, let me stay. Befall what may befall. Away! Though parting be a fretful corrosive, it is applied to a dreadful wound. To France, sweet Suffolk, let me hear from thee. I go. And take my heart with thee. A jewel locked into the woeful cast that ever did contain a thing of worth, even as a splitted bark so sunder we. This way fall I to death. This way for me. Thank <laughs> you.